0: hey there mucho gusto and welcome to another episode of detective writer i'm your host sally aka detective writer and today i am super duper excited to introduce all of you to a brand new and actually returning guest of ours Trent Gander. trent thank you so much for returning it's it's exciting thank you so much for coming back
1: I'm glad to be here, I had a great time last time, and I can't wait to see what we talk about today.
0: Awesome. And I do hope you come back many, many more times. So I definitely would love to ask you, like I know if we were last time, we were talking a little bit about, you know, some serial killer techniques. And I know that we were talking a little bit about unsolved crimes. So if you want to jump back on that, or if you want to talk about your writing journey, all up to you, my friend.
1: Well, since I specialize in the the former aspects of things, I want to talk a little bit about some of the more kinetic aspects of life and how many people overlook or misunderstand the realm of explosives and non-knifey, gunny things. Because uh, movies and a lot of other things make us think that explosions not all that bad. They are actually really hard to control. They are very devastating and they are really hard to track as well. A little bit of background, uh, not necessarily for me, but just for the concept in general. Uh, The U.S. used to have a really big explosives problem. Uh, Between 1950 and 1980, there was a series of uh, explosion attacks or bomb attacks that uh, rock the nation. This was mostly perpetrated by a group known as the Weather Underground. And there were uh, a few other things, mostly tied to uh, the organization known as the Provisional Irish Republican Army, or PIRA. Uh, and they are one of the reasons why there's two popular things in the world called an Irish car bomb. Because uh, between 1920 and all the way up actually, I think like 1998, there was something known as the Troubles over in Ireland which was uh, essentially Irish nationalists trying to maintain Irish sovereignty between Northern Ireland and Southern Ireland because Southern Ireland, if I remember this correctly, uh, is part of the UK. And the Irish in the North wanted to remain Irish, and they didn't want to be underneath uh, the control of the Protestants in the South and the UK to their East. And so they went through a series of guerrilla tactics, mostly Dealing with explosives, uh, causing a massive stir, and also developing a large number of specialists in the art of making bombs at home. Yeah.
0: Because actually what I'm gathering you know Trent I haven't necessarily had as much information on explosives basically the only amount of information that I remember learning was you know like let's see if I was watching Snapped or forensic files or law and order SVU like my idea of an explosive was something that was just detonated to go off and usually they would manage to stop it on time before it just exploded and killed everybody but yeah. I'm kind of interested to know how would you basically describe like some of the particular commonly explosives that we know of today, you know, whether they be car bombs or regular bombs, like how do those differentiate between those that we would use in the US versus maybe internationally? Are those are those the same kinds or are there different ones? Like I'm really curious to know about that.
1: So, I have to be really accurate with this because when I share this with one of my friends deals with these a lot, uh, there's a difference between formerly manufactured explosives and improvised explosives. Before 2000, 2001, uh, you would usually refer to as, uh, what we would call IEDs today or improvised explosive devices as bombs. They were just bombs or homemade bombs. Okay. And, uh... The things like artillery shells and stuff we drop from planes and stuff we fire from tanks, those are made to a much more controlled standard and they can partially be incorporated into improvised explosive devices, but they can also make explosives uh, alarmingly easily At home, if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of uh, easily accessible information about that. uh, Particularly, hang on, let me reach over here and grab it. As an illustration of this, I was playing an early access video game called Six Days in Fallujah. And they're trying to essentially make a video game that's also kind of a documentary of when the US invaded Iraq in the 2004 time period. And uh, they are using more realistic physics. Uh, We are in one of these rooms in the game and uh, one of my squad mates had thrown down a hand grenade into this probably 10 foot by 10 foot square uh, staircase area. And one of the other players looked over the edge and was reloading, and as it went off, it killed him, and the other guy was left by himself. And the guy says, it probably had bounced off the ground. And in reality, if we we're dealing with roughly realistic fragmentation hand grenades it sent a giant wall of pressure upwards, and that guy looked over at the wrong time either caught some shrapnel in a very uh, implicit place or just was hit with the equivalent of a brick wall flying at him invisibly at a few thousand feet a second.
0: Because the typical explosives that I particularly more familiar with there's stuff like you know typically like dynamite mercury blasting caps and it's really interesting because I was under always the assumption you know there's usually like maybe three to four fundamental types of explosives whether they be chemical nuclear even sometimes mechanical like whether it be homemade or something like that but so you say it usually depends you know like the location do you also believe like maybe weather also influences that as well
1: So there are various types of explosives. There are less stable explosives, and there are more stable explosives. Some explosives need explosives in order to actually detonate. Uh, Military grade C4 is a good example of this. It is, I believe the term is secondary explosive, where uh, a small device is usually inserted into the C4. This is the priming charge. And when that detonates, the C4 itself reacts. Otherwise, and they'll, they'll do this for military training and stuff, they'll actually burn bricks of C4 to illustrate how stable it is, and you can like cook over it, it, it doesn't explode. Meanwhile, dynamite, if it's exposed to enough heat, will explode. Now, modern dynamite is a lot more stable than like, 1860s dynamite, but it's still a force to be reckoned with, no matter what. Definitely. Any type of explosive, whether that be everything from tannerite all the way up to professional grade and mining grade explosives, are extremely dangerous.
0: What would you say are the biggest tips that could help any of us, you know, like be aware of when we're probably near an explosive in the in the forsaken case that God forbid, you know, ever in danger and maybe some of us are not aware which explosive it is or that there's even an explosive around us. What would you say are the biggest tips that you would give anybody to stay safe no matter what?
1: Uh, Well, there's one aspect of there's a reason why we don't see as many bombings is people don't know the information is out there. There's also uh, the access. People don't know where to or how to make them, uh, which is both a good thing and a bad thing because then people don't really understand the the dangers of these items and they are more likely to mess around. Uh, one of the things is if you see something that looks out of place, now this generally comes from training for improvised explosive devices. If there's like rubble and there's something that looks really fresh in there, like uh, a box or something, uh, avoid it if you see a package that is not supposed to be there that is uh strangely marked or you receive something that weren't planning on getting and you don't remember ordering something from like amazon uh don't open it don't touch it call your local authorities and get a professional to come out and see it because uh that could be an explosive device because we had uh I forget the exact time frame, but he recently died. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, uh, sent bombs to the mail, which is, of course, illegal, and uh, he made them so well that uh, there was very little physical evidence left in them, and they also managed to make it through the mail without detonating, and only detonated after they were opened. And people have only got more and more advanced in how they make uh, explosive devices uh, from then on. There's another aspect to consider, which is, of course, if you live in a a war-torn area or you go to an area that had a war, depending on what you encounter, just just don't mess with uh, things that you find on the ground. Definitely. There's there's areas that still have active landmines that were made before, we decided we wanted to put stuff inside them that would cause them to detonate uh, after a certain number of years so we didn't have to go and try to find them. There's places in France that are still no-go zones uh, due to the amount of shelling, explosives, and other things that were used there during World War One, which is 100 years ago, if not more. There was a picture that I saw in a Discord server that I was in. Someone who was vacationing in the area, they, they took a picture of this thing and said, oh man, isn't this so cool? They're in, uh, in Vietnam or something, and there's just this 155 or 105 millimeter uh, howitzer projectile sticking up out of the ground. I'm just like, uh, don't mess with that. Why are you standing next to that? For, for those of you who do not know how big a 105 millimeter shell is, this is probably about as wide as your fist. That's just how wide it is. It's probably about as long as uh, your forearm and that's the stuff that we send uh, a mile or so in the distance to completely tear up the area. Those are also some of the shells that uh, IED makers will use to create very large and portable IEDs. They are designed to be efficient at explosions. They are very good at it and certain of them will have something built into them that will make them inert after time. There was uh, some concerns over the years of uh, what happens if we lose explosives that are still active in areas that we're no longer fighting? And so uh, there are things called submunitions and other munitions that are supposed to have special things built into them that make them essentially piles of junk after a certain period of time. Like if the uh, if a fuse isn't activated after X date, uh, the entire device is rendered inert, which means it doesn't do anything. But um, some of the older stuff, older stocks, which may not have that, uh, they are active until they go off. Or until they uh, they are blown up in place, usually. Which is absolutely terrifying, and submunitions are one of those things that it's probably a good idea that most nations just not use those at all. Because it's terrible, and they're hard to clean up afterwards. Especially if all the little sub munitions don't go off. Because they just sit there waiting.
0: Your help bringing so many things like this to light. Because for me, I had no idea about these types of explosives. Like, I knew that they existed, but I wouldn't necessarily know how to keep myself safe. And from what I remember hearing a little bit, um in college you know from the Department of Homeland Security that more often than not it's really a lot easier for some people to make homemade explosives like homemade bombs and things like that would you say like maybe explosives do any of them have like a particular smell or particular sound you know that we could possibly like stay aware of here's, here's
1: the weird thing the only thing that pops up into mind for that is um, explosives are tend to be surprisingly sweet really? the, the There's a couple of cellulose things that are involved but uh yeah usually explosives are sweet which i find really odd but not really when you think of it that uh, explosions are really just uh transfer of energy to a heat form at a fraction of a second but um uh, one of the reasons why you cannot purchase uh, really high quality manure is because manure has i forget the exact uh, oh, as a ammonium nitrate—that's what it was. Uh, has a high level of ammonium nitrate in it, and that is used as a synthetic for explosives. And you can get that from uh, urine. And so that's what was used in the Middle East a few times or a number of times, where they would get an entire village to uh, donate some urine from all the males available, and they would synthesize explosives from it. Uh, usually very odd smells, anything that you wouldn't recognize as being normal for the area, you should probably take notice of, because there's a couple of smells that we recognize every single day, it's like, oh, this is the normal smell, this is- oh, what is that weirdness? Or something like gasoline, gasoline's a very easily identified smell, and it can be used as an explosive device, or something, for mass casualty situation.
0: Every day... in a a typical lifestyle you wouldn't ever think oh that you're ever going to come in contact with an explosive or anything like that but it's good to know to be aware so that if god forbid any of us were to ever come in contact with that we wouldn't know what to do how to stay safe and how to you know really be really be well prepared i'm kind of curious as to like why isn't why isn't more of these why are more people discussing how to stay safe and how to be aware of these things? Do you have like maybe an idea?
1: Uh, there's a there's a couple of reasons why people want to avoid the conversation about explosives. The primary reason is that the the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms is very zealous in enforcing uh, the laws regarding explosives. Because in the U. S. you can technically do a lot of stuff regarding only explosives as long as you're doing it on your own property it's the transport that becomes extremely legally restrictive uh don't take my don't take this for legal advice look up the rules for yourself and generally do not make explosive devices that's just no avoid that that's almost entirely illegal unless you have the proper licensing as part of your job legal disclaimer along the way uh obscurity is actually a really great way to avoid having trouble so if we don't talk about explosives less likely explosives are to be used. Or if more explosives are being used and people start to worry about everything, uh, uh, mass panic ensues and that can cause all sorts of other problems related to that. Uh, Another aspect of this is that explosives are, well, they are easy to make. They are hard to make well and actually put in place. Uh, There has been numerous examples, uh, particularly within Israel, where uh, bomb makers will manufacture devices and uh, either because some frequencies were left open, the frequency came in from whatever government agency had access to it. Uh, Many workplace accidents, as they were referred to, would occur with uh, the manufacture of explosives because you make it a little too unstable and you do the wrong thing, such as, uh, I don't know, light a cigarette at the wrong time or uh, accidentally connect a circuit. your entire existence is going to flash before everyone's eyes and uh, you will no longer be in the game.
0: Maybe more people were to discuss it or maybe in social media or things like that to really bring so many of these discussions to light. Because I think like from learning from what I remember from World War II and history books, like the typical explosive that I remember hearing about is that you step on something and something goes boom. Or, you know, you throw something and then something goes boom. So that's, I think like with the more knowledge, it's kind of interesting, but I am kind of curious as to wonder why some explosives would be tasting sweet. That's kind of something I'm really puzzled to think about. Uh,
1: Chemical composition mostly. Uh, I think it's mostly C4 that tastes sweet. It's uh, generally referred to as the forbidden Play-Doh by the military. Uh, It does taste sweet, you should not ingest it, it's not healthy. And uh, I've heard at least one story of somebody being dared to eat it, and then having to have their stomach pumped mm. because uh, they ate a lot of it.
0: Are they thankfully? Or are they? Are they still alive? I'm pretty sure they're alive. Yes. Oh, thank goodness. Because I think you have to just always be careful what you ingest and what you consume. But that actually makes me really kind of interested like for typical ordinary things does that put us more in danger with explosives you know like microwaves or if some people smoke or cars i'm kind of curious like does any of those play an impact i'm just genuinely curious
1: so so here's an interesting thing microwaves were originally developed as a weapon they were supposed to be a (laughs) but instead instead we now heat up our food um that's the funny
0: part. Who invented uh, the microwave now? I'm thinking about it.
1: So so one of my friends, uh, he worked with um, radios, uh, or was it military-grade radar? It, it was something that sent out signals. And he says, I sat there, and it was popping popcorn right next to me, or something along those lines. And it's like, oh, that's very powerful, because here's another thing. There was a, a video that surfaced uh month ago when we we're, we're shooting this, uh, and there was a, a couple of divers, they hear this absolutely loud high-pitched noise underwater, and they said that they had been pinged by the sonar of a US destroyer about 100 miles off. What people don't really know is that sonar for like submarines and military-grade ships at close range is a viable weapon because it is nothing but sound being shot out at a high rate in a solid formation. So you're just being beaten by sound and water, and it's enough to cause your softer tissues to crush. It's really actually the same concept of why explosions are dangerous, not necessarily because of the shrapnel. Shrapnel plays a part, that's the secondary aspect, but the primary aspect that um, explosives use to damage people is that massive wall of force. So, you have the, the primary damage is a wall of force going out, which slams into you. Secondary is the uh, fragmentation and other things that it picks up and slings at you. Third is you slamming into things, especially if it like, picks you up and bodily throws you to the ground or against a wall. Mm-hmm. And the fourth stuff is like all the, the dust and grit and stuff that goes into your nose and eyes. That makes them extremely dangerous but also very fascinating. And if you are by something that is an explosion or has a large pressure wave, you should get checked out by a professional because that can cause things like blast ear, blast lung, which is uh, damage to your, your body that causes pressure to build up in the more open areas of your internals. So we have uh, several areas like our intestines and like our lungs and things in the area around our lungs that has a, Openings. And uh, that pressure wave can throw those into disarray and cause a buildup of pressure, which will affect the rest of the system and can potentially lead to death. So, if you see like bruising around the ears, um, things like a pneumothorax or a, a weird uh, rasping in the lungs, uh, stuff like that, it's a, it's a bunch of really gory medical detail. And if you're interested in that, stuff, I wholeheartedly uh, advise you to go and look at it because. It's so strange that an invisible pressure wave can cause so much damage. This doesn't even necessarily apply just to explosives. Like if you're by uh, uh, power plants or uh, gas things and something ruptures, uh, it still sends out a pressure wave because of that explosion. So it's not necessarily just related to explosives, it's related to anything that goes boom.
0: You know, the more information that we have, the more we're aware of something to be, you know, be more cautious because the more explosives that I've been always familiar with are the ones that typically go boom if you step on something or if you throw something somewhere. I'm kind of curious as to if there's any, any kind of explosives that have ever existed, you know, for water. Like if you're swimming or in water, anything like that. Uh,
1: liquid explosives, um, nitroglycerin is one, but water is used in breaching charges. Uh, because water likes to stay in place. You can't see me, but I'm flexing my fingers as if I'm trying to hold myself in place. But uh, it's used uh, to direct explosions, uh, to break through and cut uh, rebar, cement, bunker doors, bunkers themselves, and other things. So there's a surprisingly large amount of uh, utility that explosions have it's just that most people don't really know about it because it's a, it's a surprisingly specialized knowledge and uh, it does it does make you think about things because i've had at least one time where i was out shopping with my mom i get out of the driver's seat and i look over and i just freeze because there's this random water jug in the middle of the uh of the parking lot it's like that shouldn't be there and i just had this flash across my eyes like if this were a different place this would be explosives but i live in the middle of the midwest and there's nothing here that anyone would want to destroy uh so it's not you have to you have to yeah. weigh the concept it's like huh could that be it could it better not be safe it safe
0: than sorry always better safe than sorry you may never know about and thank you so much for being open and transparent about that and it's crazy to think you know how any typical ordinary thing can easily just like completely from one thing to another you can learn something and it keeps us safer and with the more information that we share the more things we can become aware of actually inspired me to want to learn more about and how to stay safe
1: uh As with everything, knowledge is power. Yes. Uh, Look into things that you find interesting. And uh, don't be afraid to walk on the, I like the term, the darker side of things. Because the more you understand bad people and what people think of as being negative or uh, dangerous or taboo, the more you'll understand either why they're taboo or how they work and how best to counter them. That's the guiding principle that I use in a lot of my life
0: exactly because you know with the more knowledge but even with from a mere curiosity the more we can keep ourselves safe the more that we can learn the more we can make more connections and every single day brings a new thing in. i can't thank you enough for returning trent this has been an absolute pleasure and for those of you who have been listening to this podcast i truly hope you've you know enjoyed learning a little bit more on how to keep yourself safer knowing how to stay aware and as well as just truly enjoying this episode truly i can't th- th- thank you guys enough trent i truly hope you come back we have so much more to talk about and i hope you all have a great day morning afternoon evening or night wherever you are in the world please stay tuned for next week and until then keep on sleeping